Time for the next show. He's Lee Dobson and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss defending the undefendable, the NSA and mass surveillance. Tim. During one of my college classes, I, I remember this liberal guy who one one was Edward Snowden was in the news at that time, and he made the comment that, you know, if you're if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't be concerned about surveillance, or you shouldn't really be concerned about it's it's sort of like a kooky thing to be worried about. Um, I quickly, and this is I was somewhat of a left libertarian at the time, so I quickly brought up the fact that the the, the and it's mainstream history that like people like MLK Jr. and Malcolm X were. The FBI, Edgar Hoover, and various other organizations were spying on them. It was it, this is just common knowledge here. So I quickly brought up that as a sort of as a left libertarian, as someone at the time, in mean, that say, in that sense. But and you, in a while back, sent for me a movie, "The Lies of Others," which is a movie about surveillance that occurs in East Germany, uh, and the sort of police chief or the surveillance uh, lead surveillance ends up. Uh, not being entirely uh, on board. He's real on board with what he's doing, and eventually he ends up being like a mailman after the collapse of the uh, East Germany state. Um, and he has to spy on this. And, and previously he was spying on this this artist theater guy. Um, and it turns out he's making a play, or he's he's writing letters that are critical of the current regime, and he's making valid criticism of the current regime. So the obvious thing to be the obvious reason to be afraid of 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 surveillance is that if the state makes something illegal that ought to be legal or ought to be permitted um that would be the obvious case of why surveillance is 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 a bad um people surveil each other though this is something that uh as i i do think there's a certain sense in which you know people hire private eyes um so like surveillance in a sense is kind of like checking to see if someone's lying so if you if you think such and such is having an affair or such and such is I don't know a secret criminal, surveillance can help you figure out it's basically detective work to see if you actually are what you say you are. Um, this goes back to if you don't have anything to hide, should you be afraid of surveillance? Um, so like a lot of stuff like people you know if people didn't get you know, Jeffrey Epstein stuff for example, if he had to, it's a classic blackmail operation, but. All the people were willingly entrapped themselves in the situation. He just happened to film it, and he had a blackmail on him. You know, if you didn't do the terrible thing, you wouldn't have anything to hold over you. Um, and also, people hire private eyes to spy on each other all the time. And actually, as Ed- Edward Snowden and Oliver Stone discuss this, a lot of what the some of this NSA will use is they're just using personal matters. It's not political. They're just, you know, it's like anybody else at a business. They're using their powers, and they just have to have easy access to people's private messages. So they look at their girlfriend's private messages. Um, so, so in that sense, surveillance. I mean, that's not necessarily a civil liberties violation in the strict. It is a civil liberties violation, but it's not a civil liberties violation in the sense that they're trying to um, stop people from. Uh, organizing against the state or something like that. Um, that's just sort of like commonplace here. And historically, at organizations like the Pinkertons, who are basically just spying on um, labor organizers and so forth. Again, this goes back to the lying thing. Um, if, 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 if if you think labor unions should be permitted, then you should be um, you should be concerned if the state outlaws it and then private corporations hire Pinkerton private eyes 
to go after them um, in a sense. So it's worth it. What do you think of surveillance? I mean, the obvious thing is in, in the sort of local example of surveillance, let's say you, if, you, if you spy on your spouse, you think you should expect your spouse to be cheating. This, this is the common plot of a lot of Hitchcock-type movies uh, or Hitchcock short radio shows. Um, and oftentimes it's, it, it's rooted in paranoia, but sometimes they find out. But if, if you're being an upstanding person, you have nothing to fear if the state, if, if someone is surveilling you. Um, if indeed you are what you say you are. Um, 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 so in that sense, it's very much like lying here. You know, I, do, I did make the point about the anarchist point where it's what is permitted if you're doing something that should be permitted, but it has to be sort of closeted in the sense, then that's more of the quote-unquote issue there. So, Swithin, what do you make of this? Like, are do you concerned that the NSA collects all ever, everyone's data? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely, I, I don't know really what to do because, like, I know that Google and Facebook and Twitter and all these other various megacorps are going to spy on them, and even if they didn't, even if they had libertarian, even if they had Glenn Greenwald running them, it, it seems like this is just like a perfect. It's just like a honeypot. The, the, the state's going to find a way, or private people are going to find a way into these uh, massive databases. Um, like, I mean, you can look at your Facebook messages from five years ago. It's just it's just there. I mean, most people don't encrypt their stuff, as David Friedman would point out very highly. It's just, it's just I mean, again, this goes back to the, the commenter. If you don't have anything to hide, why, uh, why be concerned about it? So, in Overall, I'm I'm wouldn't say I'm totally on that position, but I do think there is at least some merit in there. So, within what would you t- make on the merits of this position and the merits of surveillance? I think your historical point um, is interesting. Uh, that you know people um, would get uh, private detectives, and also in sort of more traditional societies, um, you would pretty much everything you do would be out in the open because a lot of stuff would just take place outdoors. And um, you wouldn't be particularly anonymous. Everyone would know who you were. And so you could say that, well, you're kind of surveilled there. Um, and so the question is, is, is it really that different? And then continuing that line of thought, you could argue that sort of like the post-Second World War period is a sort of a weird point in history where you have sort of the, the least surveilled society. Now, why do I say that? Well, because you've got transport, which is sort of good enough and travels you far enough such that you don't have as as stronger communities within cities as you had historically. So they can't kind of keep an eye on you. Um, and uh, because you're in the city and you can travel around, you know, nobody knows who you are and you can basically do what you want. Uh, there's no one sort of looking over and going, oh, what's he doing there? And have and uh, people sort of um, incurring social opprobrium. Um, so the question then is: so if that's so if that's unusual, we're sort of getting back to a more situate a more of a traditional society. Although the big difference is, whereas in a traditional society you'd be surveilled by basically people you knew or people who were particularly close to you or within a few degrees of separation, for instance, where essentially now you have uh, people who are completely 
uh, anonymous, well, at least to you, and you are to them, you're just a name, as it were, not really a person. Um, and that, I think, makes a big difference because you could argue, and not in all cases, but in many cases, the people who were surveilling you, as it were, when you were in a traditional society, had your interests at heart. They wanted you to be better off, or at least the family or a group that you were a part of. Whereas um, when it comes to sort of surveillance by the government in the modern sort of technological society, uh, they don't know who you are. They don't really care about you. Uh, they may not even care about what they're doing. They're just getting paid to do it. Uh, and so sort of the way the surveillance kind of works uh, could be um, it could be treated as somewhat different. Um, when it comes to surveillance, I suppose we still don't have yet mind reading. So you could, also, you could always argue you've still got the ultimate private space in your own head. Um, historically, you could have written a journal and now you might blog and put it on your computer and that's easier to access um, than than being written on paper um, and i suppose that's the biggest difference i think things that you historically you might have thought were relatively private now clearly people would open your letters you send someone a letter someone could put uh, an iron on it and open it up and read it and put it back and make it look like it hasn't been seen um, but it seems like it require a lot more effort and also to the extent that more of your life is sort of uh digital it's more um there's there's more scope for measurement of what you are doing um so i i think that would be um a relevant difference your point on encryption is a good one most people don't bother to encrypt now i suppose the question arises would if you had a sort of ip free technological development and stuff would would you be able to get really user friendly um consumer products which could encrypt things well. I mean, to some extent, you had a growth of Signal and Telegram when um, WhatsApp were sort of wavering on encryption. Um, but you are right. It does seem to be the case that people care most about convenience. And if it's the case that the megacorps harvest their data, they don't particularly care. Um, I suppose it gets to the heart of what, what should other people know about you, I think is the question. Um, are there, should there be purely private spaces? And then should there be sp spaces which are not entirely private? By private, I mean it's like you as an individual. And then are there some sort of like semi-private spaces? Uh, and then are there sort of like public spaces? So for instance, you know, if you walk outside your house wearing a particular clothing, can you legitimately object for someone taking a photograph of you? Oh, and actually that's another thing as well. It's not just random people. In other individuals can easily surveil people now because you can record conversations, you can take photos of people where you historically couldn't because you'd need a camera that you'd have to carry around big and bonky. Whereas now you've got a phone which can record and take video uh, and take photos, etc. Um, so I think ultimately those types of questions are going to be ones that need to be asked. Um, but I do agree with you. The, the, clearly the biggest problem is when the state, when you're being surveilled to do something that should be legal but isn't, and you're going to be punished ultimately for doing it if you're caught. That would be clearly the, the, the worst situation with uh, surveillance. A lot of the punishment is actually shadow punishment where it's not the state formally doing so, or it's not even, it's 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 the state and the sort of mega corporations sort of getting in agreement over things uh, that they should, you know, they both, 
enough people within the mega corporation agree with what the state's doing, and they just sort of do it anyway. That's exactly how the COVID stuff went. Um, uh, uh, they just said, well, we shouldn't have a lockdown protest, so we're just going to shadow ban all their Twitter and Facebook accounts. Um, we're not going to actually formally do it. So they were clearly surveilling people throughout um, the time. Um, in, see, in this sense, it's nothing personal per se, though. It, it's it's strictly anonymous. It's compared to historical surveillance, which is, was the opposite. It was actually someone hiring someone to do something. Uh, but there, all with all this modern technology here, I mean, this gets in almost Ted Kaczynski territory. Um, with all this modern technology here, there is, like, like there is a conspiracy theory about the origins of Facebook. Um, for example, here they, you know, that it was created the day after, you know, uh, uh, but 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 people voluntarily post all that information on there. Um, in a sense, some of the stuff that people post there used to be quote unquote private or not, as like. You know, family photo albums weren't just available for everyone to see. They were available. But but then again, you know, family photo albums are only actually 100 years old. And it really, Polaroid pictures were in like the 70s and 80s. So, so that kind of, thing, again, it's just a form of quote-unquote surveillance. And based on one of the jobs I worked, um, many people have cameras on their doors. Many people have cameras in certain living rooms, and they do this for crime prevention. Um, but I have no doubt that um, certain agencies could, in theory, and Edward Snowden, Oliver Stone, Grand Greenwald have talked about this, Julian Assange has all talked about this, um, they could easily, stealthily turn on the cameras um, if, 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 if the security is not that good. Um, and then this quickly gets into the sort of conspiracy realm too, and you know this just becomes conspiracy. Sometimes it's just conspiracy fact. So, so you know, one of the ways if you really want to avoid surveillance, you have to sort of give up a certain amount of modern technology, like Facebook, like Twitter, um, like Google Chrome. I mean, you can use other web browsers, but one of my problems is, are they as good? And does like Mozilla Firefox or some other browser how like how secure actually is it? Um, how much more quote unquote private here? If I'm just reading um, books about James Burnham or looking at Google Maps or you know checking my email, you know it's like it's I'm actually not that interesting of a person. Now maybe I should be worried that they're that a company and to some extent the state has a file in a sense, on all your reading and listening and whatever habits. That's something that could not exist in the past, of course. Um, but I will say, like, there are benefits to, example, the YouTube algorithm. I mean, I know there's studies that come out that say it pushed people left. That could be the case. There's also some studies that say it pushes people to the far right. That could be the case. I'm sort of dubious of these studies. But, like, there's a debate I recently found, which... If, if, if I didn't have a YouTube account, I probably would have never found it, which was like a Peter Diamond debated someone on um, um, whether the Vatican II. I'm not really interested in talking about that in this episode, but that's something that the, the YouTube algorithm probably found for me. I would have never per se found it. Um, um, so to me, there is some quote-unquote benefits to surveillance. And in terms of crime, I mean, this is this goes back to the sort of, we had an episode about was, was Jeffrey Tucker right about Trump's Trump's wall, you know, or was Ron Paul and Jeffrey Tucker right about Trump's wall? Because he made the claim that the, that the wall will be used against certain elements of, well, this goes back to the war on terror, too, that certain elements of the 
deep state and the NSA would be eventually used against domestic people, not just, you know, Muslim terrorists, um, mainstream arguments withstanding. Um, so I, I do, I mean, there are, if you do have a terrorist sect in your society and you want to weed it out, you're going to have to use surveillance. I mean, this goes back to the Pinkerton days of the labor union wars that occurred in many coal towns in the United States. And I think Britain has a similar history, too. I do think how that should be resolved is a theoretical question here. I'm I'm moderately sympathetic to that, to both sides of this issue. I think it's it's more complicated than either the new left historians or the sort of reactionary historians make it out to be. But surveillance definitely played a big role. Um, and that's, in some sense, you see the predecessor of the modern surveillance state in that time period, the early, eight, late 1800s. Um, so, Swithin, do you think you should, do you think if, if you're sufficiently um, worried about surveillance, do you, in a way, have to give up a lot of, quote-unquote, technology? Um, because a lot of things that, I mean, it just has, it's if it's connected to a Wi-Fi router, it chances are can listen to your conversation. It that I mean that's just that's just seems to be the case. Uh, you can like that fact, you can hate that fact. I just it just is what it is. Um, do you think do you think it's purely paranoid to do so? Um, we we do have societies like East Germany that they did have a high degree of surveillance of their citizens, but again, a lot of that surveillance was by other citizens. Oddly enough, um, so so. What what do you, what do you make of my second set of comments towards to surveillance? Like, do you think it's a modern phenomenon, the kind of alien, like you know, the sort of data collection um, and masse, Swithin? Well, I think the data collection, as I said before, is um, different on the basis that you, it's collected sort of by by not people who are not known to the individual, whereas historically. Um, any surveillance would be done by people known to them. I think that's that's um, a relevant difference. Um, but do you need to give up technology? I, I don't know, actually, um, because if you're really sort of good with tech, then you might be able to avoid it. That said, you are right. I think if you are really good and you know your stuff with the tech area and you want to remain sort of anonymous online, then you're probably not going to get a Google account, um, which will mean that you end up not um, making use of... So YouTube algorithm can be quite useful, as you pointed out. I suppose the ideal situation here, and again, I don't know why it doesn't exist. Maybe it's too expensive. Um, That's why they need to keep the information to sell, is that when you're online, you have your account and it keeps all the records of it, but somehow... now, the, the, the companies may claim this happens anyway, but I'm dubious whether it does. Whereas you can somehow, or you only have like your own local copy, um, which is, oh well, I suppose the downside of that is you might not be able to access it somewhere else. But anyway, they keep your information somehow, but somehow it's the equivalent of a um, really safe storage unit of some description. This is impregnable and only you have the keys uh, maybe something like, I, I don't know, something like Bitcoin with the wallet, which I think you can access basically anywhere that you have like the, um, your internet connection and, the, and, and connected to like the Bitcoin network. 
Bitcoin, Bitcoin protocol. If you could have something analogous to that online that work well, then you could argue that's the best of all worlds. The question is whether it does or not, because you are right. It does seem to be the case that the more encrypted and the less surveilled type ones may well have lower quality. That said, of course, I have been um, looking at some stuff claiming that uh, the Google search isn't as good as it used to be because um, it, it's not very clever in that um, all the pay- web pages which are search engine optimized come top, even though they're utter gibberish uh, to, for half of it. Because, well, I hadn't thought about this, but apparently one of the reasons like why um, recipe websites have loads of nonsense at the beginning before they give you the recipe is because that's the way to get to the top on the search out by the search algorithms because you have more than enough words in certain distance between each other so they can go higher up in the search rankings even though it's not useful for people who actually want to find things um, but yeah it does seem to be the case that alt tech as it were doesn't function about i mean a good example of that would be like odyssey or um BitChute. The functionality is fantastically inferior to YouTube's. It's just obviously inferior. Um, when it comes to who should watch and what's the problem, why is it a problem? I suppose you could argue one of the problems with the a single large corporation um, surveilling you is that if they happen to not like you for whatever reason, then you might then become more difficult for you to function at all or reasonably in society as a whole. Which, on one end, you could say is a good thing because it can enforce orthodoxy and uh, community values. On the other hand, if the community values are bad and you don't like them, then, of course, it's not a good thing. So I suppose you could say the surveillance, as it were, is in part a function of the problem of scale in which you have the mega corporation, which you could argue that um, wouldn't exist in the freed market, for instance. Which then, of course, begs the question, well, if they did get mega corporations in the free market, would that be a good outcome? Um, I mean, the Randians could certainly acknowledge that. I mean, I'm interested in what they thought, think on that, because um, a lot of sort of like, um, as you pointed out, the enforcement of uh, new heresy laws is done by mega corporations who, if anyone deviates from um, sort of uh, modern progressivism, which is traditional progressive progressivism, plus a sexual revolution, uh, plus, um, well, uh, less sort of race realism. If you deviate from that, then, you know, you're a pariah and you need to be sort of um, pushed outside of society, which I suppose this then actually comes quite nicely along with our free speech episode, or so two, I don't know how many we did, um, is for free speech to kind of mean anything, you kind of need a situation where there's like a freedom of consequences of some description for some speech, because otherwise um, your speech in a sense isn't hugely free. It's it's like the Idi Amin quote, uh, there is freedom of speech, but I cannot guarantee freedom after speech. Um, because even if they're not violating your Rothbardian rights, they're going to make your life significantly more uncomfortable in certain ways. Um, which actually is an aside with, with like surveillance, what's justifiable or not is if it's the case that, um, you know, the road outside your house isn't sort of privately owned in a certain sense, well, then it's kind of a free for all. You can do what they want. Um, so 
yeah, so when it's been surveilled, it depends on the motives of them, how how concentrated the data is. Uh, but also what I would say, well, and also whether or not the people who are surveying you treat you as like an enemy or just like a, um, uh, a lapsed citizen, which you could argue historically might have been more of the case because they have more of investment in you in the community. Whereas now it's easier to treat you as sort of like uh, the enemy, the enemy, um, you, rather than the friend. To even if they're not necessarily the sovereign in the Schmittian sense, um, that might be more of the issue with the modern surveillance as it was historically, because of the anonymous versus sort of personally known situation where which had been beforehand. One of the one of the interesting things is some a lot of times people welcome surveillance or or they're 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 the ones that implement it. For example, um, so take surveillance cameras. As I noted, people will install their own surveillance cameras in their shops and workplaces, as well as even their homes. So that's an area which was in a sense private. I'm not talking about them turning the TV microphone on or off. This is that you're actually putting a camera in there. Um, and they're surveilling. I mean, people have to surveil their children when they're sleeping, or their young infants when they're sleeping, or things like that. This is just this is sort of, in a sense, a modern day thing of people welcoming surveillance. Another area where I don't, I'm not sure if in England, but in the United States, you can um, you can um, uh, the uh, if you want to get a lower car insurance rate, you could you could you can get a device put in your car, which will which will somehow rank how you drive. Um, and, and this device, well, so of course, this device knows where you go, and in a, se- in a sense, knows, you're, you know, in a sense, it's it's driving you think is private, but it's actually, you know, far from private. And this just goes back to Google Maps. How does Google Maps and other version of Maps get their their traffic data? They just know where everyone is. So actually, during COVID, I stopped taking my phone sometimes because I know they were secretly tracking everyone, and if you you could get, you could download the app if you wanted to. But how, like, if you ran into someone with COVID, this is what happens in China, for example. People, someone in the mall, entered the mall, they had COVID. Now everyone who was had their cell phone along with them is tagged. Even, you know, their ISP number is tagged. But then again, people voluntarily take along their cell phone here. Um, so, like, you know, this goes back to the adage, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. And in this sense... Um, one of the reasons why these companies do it. Now, a lot of these what these companies are doing are just selling you ads. So if they see you look searching for cooking website, they might sell you cooking products. Uh, I mean, that's why Google AdWords and, and as, um, but I will say there's a certain sense which things like Google, things like Facebook and Twitter, they, they sort of become what I think is called the natural monopoly. So I like you see like Truth Social. None of these sites ever take off because I think unless everyone's using them, um, then or at least a good amount of using them, it just doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, like it, the 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 eventually their Facebook or Twitter might collapse a new product, just like how MySpace fell apart. Um, that might happen, but then in a sense, it's an update. MySpace is not Facebook. Um, so 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 there is a sort of the natural monopoly at play here. Um, so I, I do think that if you really, I do think in a sense that my, my person I was involved in the debate is right, and that most people, maybe even in East Germany, unless you're actively overthrowing the state, um, 
don't really have anything to worry in general about surveillance. Now, is that a black-pilled message? Um, well, well, I think in this sense, Moldbug and and even some of the other sort of right critics of of you know like you know like I think going to a January sixth protest was a dubious idea. I think I mean I'm not a never Trumper, but I do think I do think it you know there are certain events which you're you know just sort of outing yourself. Yes, they should be allowed and they should be legal. They weren't harmful, um, but this is in a sense the state is a violent. Uh, menacing organization that's looking for reasons to arrest you. Um, should you give them? I mean, Alex Jones himself said, "Don't, don't go in there. Don't give them a reason to. Uh, they're looking for a reason to arrest you here." So I do think this goes back to our Schmidt episode that um, when it comes to the state, um, it, it does, it does. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be critical of the state, then in a sense, this goes back to the free speech. Um, you will. <laughs> unfortunately face some consequence if the state cares about it. Chris Catron made a comment once on a, in, a, in, a, in a lecture given at a thing. He, he could say anything he wants about Marxism in the 1920s and 1870s, but, but if he says something about COVID, um, the YouTube channel will get a strike. Um, at the time, COVID was a big issue, so they get a YouTube strike here. Marxism, the state doesn't view as an issue right now, but if 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 a Leninist party actually did emerge, um, then I think uh, then I think it would quickly become verboten to do so here. So I do think this is a corollary to our free speech episode here. That's 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 really ends my comments per se on this. Um, Swithin, what do you make on what do you make on opposing the state one, and what do you make on welcoming surveillance into your life in the name of getting lower insurance or convenience? Do you think people? Do you think people should do that? Uh, if if you could save twenty percent on your, you know, f- fire insurance, or or people even surveil, like um, like I think train conductors sometimes have cameras in there. Um, I think this has been a, you know, like just to see if they're you know if they do make a mistake or whatever, they know what's going on. Um, so to speak. And it's, again, police carry body cameras around too to surveil themselves. Um, I don't think left libertarians have a problem with police carrying cameras around that have to be stayed on. Uh, but if they're being consistent, oddly enough, they should be uh, critical of that. So with any comments on that? I think um, allowing the uh, insurance company to know where you're going to get cheaper insurance in principle, there isn't a problem with. I mean, that makes sense. I think ultimately it comes down to a situation where they're going to do things that are bad for you. So a good example of this, I could have got a smart meter, um, because, which is a meter which um, gives like real-time information to the electricity company about what I'm using and whatever. And I'll give you cheaper rates. You know, you can check what's using all the electricity. You can save money and stuff. Uh, and I was like, well, no, uh, because... I have the sneaking suspicion that the government will use it and use it an excuse to turn off my electricity. Um, because, you know, when it, it, it's Earth Day and so we need to turn it off or something like that. Um, and historically, this concern about smart meters would considered a right-wing conspiracy. And then, um, about a year ago, the British government said, well, yes, in an emergency scenario, we might stop your electricity company if you have a smart meter. 
So they were right, unsurprisingly. Um, so it, again, it kind of comes down to what they will do with it. So again, with the insurance company, what's the insurance? What might the insurance company do? It might give it to the police because oh no, you were speeding. But again, the problem is the fact you have ridiculous speeding laws, which make no sense whatsoever. That's really so. In a lot of this, it's about um, things which ultimately should be absolutely fine, not really causing any problem, but are just an excuse to get money out of you. So that's the problem with when it comes to the government or with anybody kind of putting up a camera or something. It's are they doing it so that they can get something out of you which they shouldn't be able to do? So even if it's a private company doing it, or even if it's the government, it's like, oh no, your bin was put out too early. Um, and they'll just use it as an excuse to um, fine you more. Or like cameras in like private car parks, they'll, um, you'll drive through it and they'll go out again and go, oh, you didn't pay. It's like, yeah, but didn't park. Oh, yes, but you were in there for five minutes. It's like, well, how on earth was that justified? Well, oh, yes, we'll cut the small print on this board. It's like, well, how on earth am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to read that when I'm looking around to park them inside? Well, actually, we're better going elsewhere. So you get these sort of unfair kind of, well, they're not even contracts because they're not even a meeting of minds. Um, so, so that, I think, is one of the major problems with it. But I do think the more interesting one is, are there some things that you shouldn't know? So, for instance, supposing that um, you had a device in your room, in your, maybe you had a, a duplex or semi-detached house, depending on the side of the pond you are, and you could listen really, really, really well to the sounds coming from somebody else's rooms. You don't have to physically go in there at all. But you could listen to everything they said. And it's like, well, is that really something that is a good thing? Should you know that? Well, maybe not. Maybe if they don't explicitly consent, because maybe there's kind of implicit views that what takes place in the room stays in the room. So it's like, you know, if you go to Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. But again, but then I suppose the question here is not... Um, individuals it's kind of like third parties and if third parties listen into Fight Club and talk about Fight Club is that kind of a bad thing I mean even if you say it's a should be illegal fine but whether they should do it and is that a moral thing to do is another question that said of course if it's not illegal and it's, there's no technological um, uh, inhibition uh, no it, it, yeah the technological inhibition to do it then people would probably end up doing it um, so I, I do think th the problem is ultimately what they will do with it. Um, and, and I just think there's, there's so many things today which are are good and fine for you to do, which end up being illegal. And so you can any group or anybody who's come after you with a big stick and get stuff out of you. And, and that, I think, is the biggest problem we face today. If it was just these other situations, I don't think there'd be as much of a problem. And even if they were, there might be ways of, um, dissipating your sound waves coming from your bedroom so it didn't go elsewhere so they can listen to it. I mean, that's, of course, possible uh, with this kind of technological stuff. Any final comments, Tim? As far as the people not being able to hear, hearing things which, they, in a sense, have an expectation of privacy, um, this, this, this goes back to those sort of work, you know, how much work will you willing to do? Like, for, for example, at restaurants... You know, I oftentimes, I, I have fairly good hearing, so oftentimes I can hear people's conversations at other tables. A lot of them are very boring, but every once in a while, 
you know, if I'm at a restaurant alone. It's actually interesting. Now, I think, am I, am I doing what the NSA is doing? Well, you could choose to talk quieter. You could choose to stay at home. You could choose to eat outside. Um, there's a, n- a number of ways you can make it less. Uh, uh, I mean, I think this is like in a sense a surplus enjoyment here. Um, uh, uh, you could just, like, but, but if this this if you're not doing anything quote unquote criminal, then who cares if you overheard you know your conversation or gossip? It, it's just not that big of a deal here. Um, I I do think privacy in some sense is it is 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 an invention. Um, it's an invention in the sense that I don't I don't know where it exists. I mean, the Supreme Court brings up with abortion. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole originally with Roe v. Wade. I know we're here in the United Kingdom. It's a little different there, but here in America, for a number of years, it was based on privacy. Um, apparently, privacy was in the U.S. Constitution. It's a sort of right. And but to be fair, in a strange sense, they're correct that it is it is a quote unquote private matter. Typically, sex, reproduction, you know, family, um, those are typically quote unquote private. Um, but a lot of the policies the state does also could be just uh, unjustified on the same grounds. So, which is the classic criticism against us here. But if I'm listening to a conversation. Um, or overreading it. Any so like one of the better objections was made on Tyler Cowen's blog by someone. He said that if you read like if you read other Hillary Clintons or Fauci's or or you know uh, Bolsonaro's or whoever's emails, George Bush's private emails, in some sense you're doing the same thing that the state's doing if you're being consistent. Um, like so like there was some brouhaha about what WikiLeaks released certain things. They've released emails. That were deemed to be private here. Now, one argument can make is those are private; those are public, so to speak, public servants. They're supposed to be operating in the public's interest, so they shouldn't um, release them. And this goes back to the, you know, how much do they want to hide them? I mean, there's certain, like Hillary Clinton, in this sense, was an idiot for using a uh, email server that was, you know, you should have to, you should hide it better if you really wanted to be quote unquote private. Um, so, so then, what do you make? I mean, I, I sort of added on here. But, um, like, how much work do you have to do? And, like, if I'm overhearing people at a restaurant, am I engaging, or if I'm reading, you know, Anthony Fauci's emails about COVID policy that were, you know, doxxed or released, am I, in some sense, uh, violating his privacy? Um, insofar as you're in, like, a restaurant, I mean, you know you can be overheard. Uh, so I think that's... A, I mean, that's kind of like a semi-public space. I suppose you could argue that an individual house is like the private space. Um, and there's kind of like a, you could argue like a, people can kind of treat like a sacred space. It's kind of set apart. Although, as I said, you could, you know, insofar as how many people live in a certain building historically and how many rooms they have. But I mean, historically, even with, pri- with privacy, I mean, you could you could have just gone off to the woods and met somebody and talked to them. And so you, that would be sort of effectively private, as it would just be you two, and unless someone else knew that you were meeting, would be able to listen. Um, so I suppose as well. I mean, is it really um, I, the, the whole privacy thing for abortion was a joke? I mean, there was that was um, that in a, that's that's the kind of reasoning that the Catholics went in with and saying, well, you know, the Council of Florence said there was no salvation outside the church. What they meant was 
the universal church of God, not necessarily, the, well, not necessarily that phrase, but not necessarily the, the church of um, uh, the Roman Catholic church. And so it's open to everybody and some sort of, you know, it, it was that sort of just, we wanted the conclusion. So we, we found the means to get there. Um, so, no, I don't think you're, so I think you are doing something like the NSA. As I say, I, I, the main kind of issue, I say, with the NSA is they're going to do bad stuff to you. Um, and I suppose there's a question of whether or not contractually, whether people know that their information is going to be sold on or it's going to be listened to or whatever. But then again, you could say, well, what, how do you think we were a charity? So you can make lots of implicit argument type stuff like that. Um, but I think you are to some extent a bit like the NSA. Um, uh, whether that's a bad thing. I mean, it'd be interesting. I mean, if you did get sort of like a a social panopticon because everyone can record everything and listen to every, everybody, whether that'd be a good thing, would people behave better? I mean, that's a, you know, you have all this sort of surveillance on each other. But again, it, it's, it's also an issue related to this is that would somebody having known the information intervene to try to get you to do something you otherwise shouldn't do? you otherwise wouldn't do and it's like leave me alone and so then you you're so you're going beyond knowing and trying to directly influence rather than indirectly influence so indirect influence i would say something like you know you put an article saying in a certain circumstance you should do xyz or use some sort of film which has a particular theme which uh, promotes some type of behavior i mean that's kind of indirect but direct is like people come to you and go oh i heard you were going to go this place you 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 were going to go in this this industry or, or or produce this kind of product. Oh, that's a very bad product. You shouldn't possibly do that. And so you you, you get sort of um, undesirable behaviour, um, and then you you get into the questions of you know when should you, clearly if you believe that someone's doing a correct action, you wouldn't intervene. And then when is it, when is it justifiable for somebody to try to directly influence somebody to engage in an action that they to prevent them doing an action they would do or to get them to do an action they otherwise wouldn't do. I think we're kind of getting into that territory. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would agree that finally that the sort of the arguments against surveillance are largely somewhat facile and uh, I think a product of a very particular point in history. And now I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And finally, if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. <laughs>